Student Radio Maastricht on RTV 107.5 FM from the RTV studios at Bankastraat, also known as the Banka Studios. Thank you very much for tuning in. What you were listening to there is a very, uh, it's a very special, uh, very, very unique track uh, by by the artist uh, F underscore Aubergine. Please look him up. And by the way, uh, Fran, if you're listening to this, uh, happy birthday and thank you very much for letting us uh, use your. Uh, use a recording of your performance uh, for the audience. This is um, this was a performance uh, done by F underscore Aubergine in Ghent at the at the Molotov Cafe, uh, where he played uh, on an advanced Game Boy set with Nano Loop two point seven. So, if you are in Maastricht and in the neighborhood and surroundings, and you ever hear about F Aubergine, it's definitely quite some unique. <laughs> Unique tracks to check out, unique tunes to, tr- to check out, and yeah, it's 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 a pretty um, pretty impressive performance. It was like one point five hours, and in the studio today uh, we have uh, we have students from from Bridge Europe. Uh, we have Sam. Uh, can you please? Yes, uh, hello. Yeah. It's good to be here again. Uh, I'm Sam from Bridge Europe. Um, currently, I'm the president of my own chapter in Maastricht. Um, together here with Vlad. Uh, Vlad, you. Uh, hi, what's up? 
You also have an important role within Bridge. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I started in the online chapter of Bridge um, a bit um, a year, a bit more than a year ago. Yeah. And I've also been hosting the Bridge Your podcast uh, for for more than a year, and hosted many many interesting um, individuals and on the podcast, including some Forbes thirty under thirty people, members of the European Parliament. Um, professors of economics, all kinds of interesting people with yeah. interesting stories. Really glad to be here today. Fantastic. And uh, Sam, you study in uh, in Maastricht, right? Yeah, yeah, that's true. I uh, currently in my last year from European studies. So, um, yeah, I hope to graduate at the end of the year uh, if I finish everything. Um, and then we'll see what comes. Uh, Vlad, you're from Aachen, right? Yeah, I came over from Germany today um, doing my master's in physics, uh, which is quite uncommon in Bridge, um, yeah. as most people do either politics or international relations or something. So I'm kind of this tech guy, which kind of makes sense for the whole podcast thing and all that. Are you in RWTH? Uh, exactly. Because we are not uh, SRM is not limited to any particular university. So... We we mainly collaborate with students and artists in the neighborhood. So yeah, really really glad to have you have you here. All right, so um, maybe we take a short break, listen to some more of uh, France's uh, fantastic uh, performance, and uh, we will be right back. <laughs> Thank you. 
Welcome back. This is Student Radio Maastricht on RTV 107.5 FM. And thanks for tuning in because today we have Bridge Europe in the studio and we were just listening to uh, F. Aubergine. Thank you very much, Fran, for lending a copy of your, your recording, of your live performance um, at the Molotov Cafe in Ghent. I think it's, it's time to start with the topic. Vlad or Sam, whoever wants yep, to go. Yep. I will yeah. shortly explain our idea for today. Uh, so... Um, as some of you um, might know, uh, the concept of Bridge Europe is about uh, nurturing civil political dialogue and building bridges between different political perspectives. And so we figured it might be kind of interesting for you to have um, have us um, discussing the current news in a very chill, you know, civil manner, like <laughs> a tea ceremony, having a cup of water or something. Yeah. Um, just like talking about stuff that happened over the past few weeks. And so maybe, Sam, you want to, to start? Yeah, I mean, we have a few topics ready for today. Um, the first topic we would think is pretty, uh, pretty topical right now is uh, China who has uh, been very lenient with their zero covid policies recently yeah uh, yeah and we were uh, we all have been uh, following the the protests in china uh, regarding their pretty strict uh, zero covid policy mm-hmm. over the past few months um uh, i think going going into late uh, 2022 there have been heavy protests all across uh, eastern china yeah. um in um uh, yeah, in connection with um, their very uh, strict restrictions. Um. Yeah, exactly. Like uh, apparently, the, um, I read a number on uh, on the news website that the globe. What was it exactly? Yeah, that uh, Beijing's target econo- economic growth exactly, which was supposed to be at five point five percent, already had declined to three point nine, um, and that more than hundreds, maybe even thousands of small businesses failed to grow um which caused also those uh those protests of course over the recent months yeah and of course china <coughs> what happens in china also has m- severe implications for the whole global uh politics and economy because china is just large market where a lot of western and in general uh, global enterprises operate mm-hmm. and the zero the zero covid policy with the um, closures of uh, factories has been widely discussed let's say in the world and uh, many european leaders as well were very vocal about their uh, the chinese decision to restrict travel and yeah. uh, close uh, close enterprises um, in the large cities. Yeah. And what I find very interesting now, as China opens up and we we see this um, huge wave of uh, new coronavirus cases, yeah. is that the EU starts to restrict travel and yeah. discussing uh, putting um, putting restrictions on um, travelers from China, which I find. An interesting uh, change of um, yeah. Just just when just when you thought we were all over it, it's starting uh, it's starting again. Which, uh, to be fair, is is kind of fair because China also only uses their only um, their own produced medicine, own produced vaccines for their own population, which is, I think, um, I can't say with hundred percent certainty, but is a lot less strong as the vaccinations that we've used in Europe. Um, So. I kind of get it, but 
we're violating again our own <laughs> yeah yeah i think i think it's it's just like from from a diplomatic perspective it's kind of a peculiar yeah. way to deal with the situation from the european side because like uh you would advocate for um yeah lifting all the restrictions yeah. and like stopping this uh obviously very very strict very uh, strong policy in china but then immediately after the borders um open up and yeah. Travelers, obviously, especially business uh, travelers, start. Um, wait, um, yeah, well, traveling uh, to to Europe, you will, uh, yeah, you start these discussions with clo- closing your own states. Up yeah, and but also, like, it hasn't even been uh, just the EU who's done it. Like, actually, it started with Italy, who immediately imposed this measure of uh, of doing mandatory tests for Chinese planes that arrive. Um, uh, this is also a critic again for the EU in general, is that they fail to manage to have an overarching or coordinated response to oh, yeah. a crisis, and and I think that's we a big problem. Be- yeah, have seen that before. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and I, I, I find it also very um, well. It it was kind of expected that China would react as well. They already restricted visa for South Koreans. They're yeah. not issuing any more any uh, travelers visa mm-hmm. anymore to Japanese citizens. And I think um, yeah, for Europe, the the travel restrictions will will come soon enough again. Yeah, and uh, I think the implications for the global travel and uh, diplomatic relations, and especially glo- the global economy, regarding the crisis we're already in and mm-hmm. uh, major role the Chinese marketplace in the global economy it's yeah it's uh, far from done the whole yeah uh, no endeavor. exactly uh, and it, it also it's a bit ambiguous because uh, as we know the Chinese government isn't the most transparent one out there <laughs> uh, so we also we, we don't have the accurate numbers about how many people are actually infected or getting infected right now in China in general we do know, obviously, there's going to be a global uh, immense spread. But how do you see the image of China in, in the global sphere as perceived now? Yeah. But I, I think it, what is interesting about this particular issue is that we haven't seen a lot of news in the media regarding that. So, like, I mean, yeah. you, would, you would from time to time see this in some bigger newspapers. Mm-hmm. You can publish a lot more. Yeah. Uh, but in general, people aren't talking about that. Uh, so zero COVID policy was kind of on the internet. The protests in yeah. China were kind of there. But mm-hmm. um, I had a feeling that the public wasn't really interested in that, um, mostly because people maybe are kind of tired with the whole COVID thing. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but also, yeah, I don't know. There, There is a certain lack of interest to that, um, although it's a very important, um, yeah, it's a very yeah. important event. Like, do, do, do you see the, the public opinion changing now that the restrictions are more lenient and Chinese people can, can come back to Europe uh, and there are no travel restrictions? Uh, well, they are coming, but right now, do you think the public opinion is back on it? Well, I, I, I don't think, like, I would I would put it that way. I don't think public has any particular opinion on the whole, yeah. um, on the whole travel to China thing, or or um, Ch- Chinese people are not being able to travel to Europe. Mm-hmm. Um, I think there is gener- generally a big, um, a huge importance for uh, the tourists. Uh, uh, tourist economy yeah, here in Europe sure. regarding the restrictions for the Chinese travelers. 
but also I, I would hear uh, some people having business in China um, being very vocal about the problems with those restrictions. But otherwise, it's not it's not really a widely discussed thing. No. And I, I find it quite peculiar, to be honest. Mm-hmm. The travel restrictions, you mean? Uh, no, no. The fact that people don't really talk uh, yeah. that much about that—it's um, yeah, not—it's not, I, it's not partisan. Even. It's not—it's uh, not uh, somehow divisive. Yeah. Just not, not there. Yeah, I—I I, I don't know if I fully um, agree. Like, I feel for, like right now, Europe is pretty polarized as well. Um, I see this as a subject for uh, populistic parties to again. Uh, gain followers on as well and be like look um, we should be more Eurosceptic because the EU has again randomly decided to do this or every national country is choosing their own legislation and their own like I think this is a good opportunity again for um, enhancing that polarization that is already here uh, in Europe as well no, it's, it's true I, I, I agree with that I, I think uh, it it's yet another case of you not being able to handle the situation consistently. Yeah. Uh, which is, yeah, pretty, pretty sad to, to see. Yeah. And uh, I mean, regarding the divisive issues, I think uh, our following topic after a short break will be quite, quite interesting to discuss. Yeah.
Hello, welcome back and thanks for tuning in. This is Student Radio Maastricht on RTV 107.5 FM and that was um, FM Boy which is a, a live set performed by F. Aubergine and thank you very much for letting us use the recording of your live performance. In the studio we have um, Bridge Europe today yeah. Um, yeah, and talking about um, some of the some current topics. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So as we said, we would discuss a few global issues and uh, we should continue uh, over the next one because we don't have all day. Um, so <laughs> I think now we're going to get discuss um, that the major Western powers who have decided to finally uh, contribute uh, light tanks. I think I don't know where they are right now. I, I mean, I think a few hours ago there's been a message that Poland will deliver even first 10 Leopard tanks um, to Ukraine yeah. in um, yeah in coalition with the different powers. There's gonna be this uh, Rammstein format uh, meeting of the defense ministers of I think about 50 countries yeah. um, later this week. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, it's uh, it's major news because um, um, the heavy heavy armored equipment delivery has been a very divisive topic yeah. for for a while. Yeah, it's been very delicate. I read that as well. Yeah, and I think in the, in the end of the day, it was always uh, this question of like, who's gonna do this first? Because mm-hmm. uh, um, yeah, I mean, as as with most of the weapon um, deliveries to Ukraine, mm-hmm. it, it has always been the question like, who's who's gonna like yeah. start doing that? Because like yeah. um, everybody else will will soon uh, enough. What I read about these tanks because I actually looked them up to want to see what they what they looked like um and apparently it's a vehicle that they also used in the cold war so it's uh, <laughs> it's kind oh. of uh, funny that it's against Russia again yeah, yeah. <laughs> sort of but uh, yeah they were used by the soviet countries i think uh, back then and they were now i don't know um stacked up and i mean it's it's um it's important to, to not to see here um so like the the Soviet era Soviet made equipment mm-hmm. has be is being delivered like and has been delivered for a while now yeah yeah uh, especially from the uh, post Warsaw Pact mm-hmm. uh, countries uh, like Czech Republic for instance uh, and Poland um, many others um, and now uh, I think starting with uh, President Macron's of France yeah, um, yeah. Um, decision to deliver the IMX um, wheeled tanks yeah true although like you country uh, depending on what you define and uh, how you define a tank <laughs> uh, but it's definitely it, it's definitely an armored vehicle with a pretty big gun yeah. um yeah i think it's it's the first decision of to, to deliver uh the equipment of this kind um western made equipment yeah. uh, to ukraine obviously very very um widely discussed in western media mm-hmm. and very divisive i think uh, as many would uh, yeah many did uh, fear that this would mean an escalation in the relations with Russia. And now we see so the United States decided to deliver M2 Bradley, the the um, infantry uh, fighting we- uh, vehicle, mm-hmm. one of the best of its kind um, in, in, in big numbers. Germany is delivering yeah. the Martyr uh, IFVs. Yeah, I also read that... Um like France and I think Poland as well um, are now trying to pressure Germany in sending the leopards. Yeah. They have interesting names for the tanks. But yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, the, the Germans, the Germans have funny names for yeah. the tanks. That's for sure. Um, 
yeah well i mean it's 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 a very big decision for mm -hmm. sure and i think uh, it's obvious that the west is prepping ukraine for its uh, potential um counteroffensive mm -hmm. in spring uh which also many people are talking about uh and it's also very divisive um you would have um I mean, there there has been constant backlash since Macron's decision, and then the U.S. decision, and yeah. then no, Germany and Poland making big announcements, yeah. and um, yeah, many uh, many people, especially those who are uh, out, um, yeah, outright uh, Putin supporters, uh, they say, well, uh, you shouldn't do that. Uh, yeah. they, they either say it's um, yeah, it's not a way for peace. Yeah, or no, exactly. Yeah, yeah it's like uh, like you say, the people in in Russia they only see the perspective that the West keeps keeps uh, bringing in more guns, more tanks, um, and this is also why Germany is is quite reluctant in providing these tanks, right? Because they say, well, we have a history; don't we don't necessarily want to be associated with a war anymore. Do you think that plays a a, a large role? Oh yeah, absolutely. I think, uh, I think tanks in general are like they have also this psychological kind of role so like mm -hmm. you can deliver a lot more of all other kinds of weapons but like tanks mm -hmm. and jet fighters are like this particular thing they are definitely very important mm -hmm. uh, as a um, as a military equipment and uh, will definitely play a huge role in the battlefield but there is also this psychological thing when people imagine warfare yeah. and military they most probably immediately think of tanks mm -hmm. and so um, European countries and the NATO countries delivering now no finally delivering um, this kind of um, equipment yeah. uh, to Ukrainians it can can be seen by many people as NATO almost directly engaging in warfare yeah and um, uh, yeah Recently, this has also resulted in, um, I think, large wins for Ukraine, kind of, uh, not just because of the tanks, but in general, they had quite some wins. Um, and then also we saw this pretty, not funny, but weird news that um, Putin wanted to celebrate Christmas and he went to, the, to his own um, Orthodox church, how do you call this, session? Um, where he celebrated Christmas Christmas alone uh, and requested a 36-hour ceasefire. Do you think this ceasefire um, was a result of uh, providing Putin a bit of rest? Well, that's, that's what President Biden of the United States yeah. said, that uh, they basically the Russians need, uh, need some rest. Like Anyway, um, this already has happened before mm -hmm. uh, this spring on Easter. On Orthodox Easter, uh, uh, Russia basically... I said that they would have a ceasefire. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, as far as I'm concerned, it wasn't really um, in any way. There, there wasn't any um, like real response by the Ukrainian armed forces. Um, what I can tell is, like immediately after after the Christmas, there uh, has been a huge increase um, in uh, intensiveness of the fights in the yeah. east, in the east of Ukraine, especially in the Bakhmut. Uh, Bakhmut uh, region, which is like the most uh, where the most fighting is happening mm -hmm. uh, over the past two months. Yeah. So um, yeah, I don't know. Um, yeah. Well, what what I also think about that, um, like the meaning behind uh, asking for that truce on a religious holiday, is that he also wants to put Ukraine in a bad perspective, kind of. It's like uh, because Ukraine denied 
having the truce. Well, yeah. well, R- Russia has been playing this card yeah. of them fighting for the good and for the God mm-hmm. and uh, uh, NATO and Ukraine yeah. being these Satan followers and all that. Mm-hmm. They like yeah. kind of. Uh, I think Nazis weren't enough for them. They turned mm-hmm. like straight up devil and all that. And uh, I mean, many people are buying into that uh, in in the West as well. Um, yeah. Like you would, you would, you have this um, very, very religious, uh, especially far far right people who 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 do buy into that. Yeah. I true. mean, it's a, it it is a powerful narrative. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, I, I totally think this is like calling calling it the Christmas truce would be is uh, is definitely a part of mm-hmm. this agenda. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Um, I think we can switch up to the next subject on the schedule and uh, listen to some music again. This is Student Radio Maastricht on RTV 107.5 FM. The track you were listening there is called FM Boy. What a fitting name, actually, uh, for a radio episode. Thank you very much, F. Aubergine, for um, for sharing your tracks, uh, your, your 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 recording of your performance uh, with us today uh, to play on the radio. And in the studio, we have um, yeah, Bridge Europe, and that Sam and Vlad are yeah. talking about yeah. current Good topics. To be back. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Corruption in the European Union. Yeah, doesn't sound unfamiliar here, but yeah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah we had a l- huge scandal uh, in the past two months. I think I'm not sure when it happened exactly, but um, we all um, saw the critic on the Qatar World Cup. Um, there was a lot of criticism around um, how it was established and how they, how it came uh, came out eventually. Um, but yeah, so. Vlad, you want to maybe outline the situation for uh, us? Yeah, so what happens is that um, apparently the uh, Belgian police um, 
rated something of about 12 how uh, 12 20 already uh, maybe 20 yeah. uh, 20 houses of the members of the european parliament mm-hmm. or like ex-workers of the european parliament in general um people who are um somehow in connection with the european politics in brussels and uh, five people have been arrested and more than 600 uh, euros in cash yeah. Uh, have been found uh, and under who the vice president of the European Parliament uh, so that's pretty high up yeah so this this thing kind of shook uh, the whole European Union I mm-hmm. guess um, and this is a very uh, well uh, something that doesn't really hap- happen all that often mm-hmm. uh, I think the such lar- large corruption scandals aren't that common especially in the European Parliament kind of kind of think i mean you would hear this from time to time from particular countries mm-hmm. you would have like sarkozy in france or berlusconi in italy or uh but in the european union it's, it's quite rare yeah it's, i mean yeah it's uh, it's also something you once you start working for the eu you also are supposed to be bounded to some values of the european union uh and and hope to succeed the the project mm-hmm. of the european union in general so corruption yeah you you wouldn't think it would be this close to to it, but obviously it happens everywhere. Um, and I think it is for me. What was also kind of weird was that uh, Belgian authorities, uh, without help from the European Union, had to um, co- be aware of this after, for example, von der Leyen, uh, when she was appointed as president of the European uh, Commission. Um, no, just the European Union mm. in general. Um, she also advocated for the rule of law to be applied uh, as good as possible to fight corruption, uh, to make policies which would enhance uh, more transparency in Euro- parli- European Parliament commissions, and which apparently till now have never been followed up, um, even rejected within the European Union um, and within the European Parliament. Its member itself have rejected some uh, recommended policies uh, policies on corruption uh, and which would enhance transparency and I think that should already have been a, a large sign for the European Union yeah well this uh, this definitely was a catalyzer already I think yeah. the European Parliament has passed a resolution on uh, corruption and the rule of law in the house mm-hmm. uh, where it puts very um, yeah very uh, low restrictions on uh, or should we say high restrictions on um, um, the amount of gifts uh, the members of the European Parliament can get yeah. and also an uh, ex- exposure of uh, their uh, personal wealth um, mm-hmm. and uh, yeah all, all, all the things that you would expect from from um, a resolution like that uh, expect um, except that, um, well, the European Parliament doesn't really have a lot, all that much power on its own. No, true. Yeah, so most, most, um, especially legislative uh, um, initiatives have to come from the European Commission, which is uh, which makes the whole process a lot slower and uh, a lot more, yeah, intransparent. I would say. Yeah. Um, and and what 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 I find quite interesting in this particular story is how. Um, yeah, uh, in the in the media, especially in in more conservative media, you would see that the problem here was the not 
the European Parliament being not transparent, but rather the NGOs, because the whole affair yeah. uh, was run through the NGO called uh, Fight Impunity, mm-hmm. um, which um, which was in connection with the members of family of Eva Eva Kaili, yeah. the, the um, y- yeah, also y- with Banzani. Uh, yeah. What was his name exactly? Yeah, Banzeri. Yeah. Um, and uh, and the focus was almost shifted to the to the NGOs and um, yeah to making uh, non-government yeah. organizations more transparent, which is definitely a good thing to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, but in the whole in the whole affair, having this huge lobby scandal, yeah. um, of course the government of Qatar mm-hmm. uh, denied all the allegations. And yeah, of course. Yeah, but uh, I, I mean. It's 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 a, it is an interesting thing to see how in times of um, media and immediate news, you see the the whole this whole narrative uh, emerging like two different narratives maybe three, uh, especially and uh, having having the World Cup in the background and the whole yeah. uh, and the whole discussion about that having the um, human rights problems in Qatar and yeah the whole and th- that was actually a major thing that that also surprised me is that. Um, the vice president Kaili, um, she apparently had pretty good connections with Qatar, um, which not necessarily is a bad thing. But um, for example, uh, a meeting was organized for all the representative, uh, the MEPs, um, which are part of the European Parliament, um, and it was fully cancelled. But voluntarily, Kaili went to Qatar anyways, um, and she was apparently invited by Qatar. Uh, while the other w- other people were, um, yeah, dismissed, mm-hmm. kind of, uh, which ended up being her coming back saying that the labor, uh, that Qatar made huge um, advancements in the labor force, uh, human rights prospects, while obviously the facts were totally mm-hmm. different, mm-hmm. like so many people died in the building of the stadiums, etc. So... Yeah, of course. I, I, I mean, in the relations with Qatar, just started to evolve, especially on the, um, um, mm-hmm. yeah, on the, on the background of um, uh, Europe trying trying to get rid of uh, Russian Russia as a main yeah. supplier of uh, natural gas, mm-hmm. and Qatar, who sits on the largest um, natural gas source uh, in the world, um, is obviously a very very active, um, yeah, a- active partner yeah. for the EU and a very important actor. Uh, that uh, on the market at the moment that that also worries me a little bit because um what i saw in the in the papers was that qatar also warned that if the eu continued the implication against uh against qatar that they would that it would have a negative effect on their energy supply to europe which is obviously it's <laughs> not a very diplomatic well, solution well, this, <laughs> is, this is not a good this. one uh, on the other hand um one one could also say that the EU can't sit in both chairs at the same moment. Yeah, right? no. The, the when when say Germans uh, run run to Qataris to save the their um, natural gas mm-hmm. uh, imports, um, it's uh, it's not particularly a nice thing to do to just like start um, start arguing with Qatar about the the whole other other things. Obviously, the the human rights discussion is very important. Uh, has but the EU is being a bit hypocritical in this yeah. regard, I would say, because they don't raise these concerns when they uh, negotiate the natural gas mm-hmm. contracts. So that, this is this is a very tricky tricky issue here. Um, 
Yeah, well, uh, I I would also use use the chance to um, uh, tell our listeners that we um, that they had the Daniel uh, Daniel Freund, um, ah, yeah, true. the I member of the European episode, Parliament yeah. Uh, yeah. from the from the Party of Greens uh, on our on our podcast, uh, who is a very active um, um, active proponent of more transparency and very um, yeah. He's a huge fighter against uh, corruption in the European Parliament, uh, mm-hmm. and very vocal um, uh, about the the corruption and intransparency, um, including in the other European member states such as uh, Poland, Hungary, yeah. um, Greece, for that matter. Um, yeah, and um, also the whole debate around uh, around Hungary, being um, whose uh, fund EU funds uh, got withheld. Yeah. Uh, by by the European Parliament at around the same time, which was um, a source of an interesting uh, social media battle. Yeah, true. Yeah, uh, yeah. Viktor Orban he actually made a post on Twitter uh, with a meme saying um, "Good morning to the European Parliament," uh, which had an old photograph uh, featuring former world leaders uh, laughing and then saying the EP is seriously concerned about corruption in Hungary, mm. <laughs> which is. Obviously, uh, in the image of Viktor Orban, a win for him. He thinks. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean, it is. Uh, it is yeah. in some sense, especially for the yeah. uh, for the internal um, internal public in, uh, in 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 Hungary, and mm-hmm. uh, I think it's uh, it's a very big problem for the for the European Parliament as an image. Um, yeah, um, a damage on their. Well, image in public, and uh, yeah, I course. think it, it, it. I mean, I shouldn't say it should be used by the, by the people like uh, Viktor Orban, but it can be used, and I think the European Parliament should take a lot of precautions to, well, uh, re- retain its image as a well value-based yeah. organization, not uh, money-based. Although, I mean, yeah, there are huge problems mm. uh, problems in there. And, um, well, um, yeah, I mean, Hungary has recently been very, um, how do you say, criticized uh, because they have, I think, for the past 10 years been trying to get as money, as much EU funds as possible uh, while not participating their own share or uh, advocating those funds that they receive to um, nothing that helps the public. Uh, I actually read a, a really interesting anecdote about this was that a guy um, went to so the EU funded 50 million to Hungary uh, to a certain I think it was the nephew of Orban uh, and he was supposed to start a company that would um, advance I don't know anything that helps the public and he went uh, to that construction site it was started in 2015 was supposed to finish in 2016 uh, and he went there in 2022 and the building that was just the skeleton that was it no work is nothing in the neighborhood uh, which makes you wonder where where those funds go yeah i mean the whole the whole story i mean th- this is also a thing which is my, in my opinion very important for the european parliament been, been this like central authority and all that and the <laughs> funds being redistributed through brussels i'm not particular fan of the whole story from one side because the organizations like that are can be can be corrupt 
Um, yeah. On the other hand, because the people receiving the money can just like keep keep getting this money yeah. and doing their thing without major implications for them. Yeah, we can uh, well, continue anyway, the combo later. Can, yeah, we can we can talk about that for centuries, <laughs> I think. But uh, yeah, we'll leave you with our good music for now. Student Radio Maastricht on RT 107.5 FM. Uh, what you're listening to there is a recording of a live set, a one and a half hour live set performed by uh, F. Aubergine. Uh, massive thanks to, to Fran for letting us use this uh, fantastic um, recording. It's called FM Boy, by the way. Um, played or uh, performed at the Molotov Cafe in Ghent um, in November last year. Thank you, RTV, for letting us use the studios. And um, just to remind the audience, we are here with Sam and Vlad, two students. Um, Sam from European Studies yeah, in that's true. UM. And Vlad doing physics from the RWTH University in Aachen. It's been super fun today already. And I think our last, this is going to be our last conversation, but we will have a lot more episodes in the future as well. Yeah, it's great to be here. I think uh, for for start of the year, it's been quite, uh, yeah. quite, quite chill. I, I think. think, yeah, for the last issue, yeah, uh, the, the Israeli new government. Yeah, the Bibi Netanyahu is back as a um, um, Israeli Israeli Prime Minister, he's now, yeah. I think, the longest serving yeah. Prime Minister in the history of Israel. Yeah. And, it's uh, the most far-right government he has elected right now. I, I think it's the most far-right government Active. that Israel actually <laughs> yeah. ha- have had. And yeah. uh, I think the in, in Europe, many, many out- news outlets have been very vocal about that. Mm-hmm. Um, they, they brought on very uh, ultra-religious people. You would have mm-hmm. um, very far, far-right um parties um on the government now and it it's uh, important to notice that it was now fifth election in three years in yeah. israel so mm-hmm. uh, not a very stable political situation no. there <laughs> <laughs> uh not like there there ever was uh but and and then here it here it's very it's very 
uh, interesting thing that happened uh, last um, last week. Yeah, we don't uh, have much time. Yeah, so. the new new Israeli um, Minister of National Defense mm-hmm. Ben Gvir. Uh, visit the Temple Mount, which is kind of a taboo uh, thing uh, for for a member of the Israeli government or a member of the Knesset. Uh, mm-hmm. To uh, Knesset is the Israeli parliament to visit the Temple Mount. And why is that? Uh, Temple Mount is the um, is a territory in the city of Jerusalem, um, which is uh, considered a holy site for of all three Abraham religions: uh, the Judaism, Christianity, and Islam. Yeah, and it's currently. Um, in Israeli, an army controlled by uh, a territory controlled by the Israeli army, but under um, uh, also uh, co uh, co administrated with Jordan, with Jordan uh, mm-hmm. Waqf, and it's the territory where uh, the the Muslims um, who live in um, in Jerusalem or outside can can freely go there to pray to the Al Aqsa yeah. Mosque uh, and the uh, to the dome uh, dome of the rock uh on the on the temple mount and it is uh, it's a very um yeah it's a territory uh which is uh well um has been a pinpoint of the of most of the conflict um in uh in the t- territory and in jerusalem and uh, yeah, it is a very controversial uh, decision to make uh, to be made by yeah. by Ben Gvir to visit the Temple Mount. Uh, for for a bit of broader context, last time uh, something that happened was when Ariel Sharon, um, sh- short uh, shortly before he became the Prime Minister of yeah. Israel, visited the Temple Mount. It was the it is widely considered the starting point of the Second Intifada. Uh, the the uh, essentially war between um uh the Hamas Fatah and yeah. uh, uh the the state of Israel uh so it's it is a very controversial thing so it's very uh, it's important to to mention that uh, Jordan uh, the country which um well has diplomatic relations with Israel it like uh, immediately uh condemned uh, the uh the action the yeah. action yeah. um like in a matter of a few seconds i think in 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 our time uh, the news spread really quickly on Twitter, and it was very, very, very much condemned by yeah. by most of the of the Western countries, uh, including the United States. It is a very well um, destabilizing uh, thing to to do. Yeah, and so, um, yeah, that's obviously already a very controversial start of the new government, yeah. to, to least to say. Uh, how how do you have you considered um, this new government to be, um, or how do you think they will proceed their policies uh, in Israeli itself? Uh, because they have been regarded as one of the most Western countries in Africa. Um, well, well, Israel is very is is a the state of israel in itself is a very uh, it's a point of a lot of controversy in the yeah. western politics in the in 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 this in political discourse in the west and the um the current the new government around uh benjamin netanyahu is a very far 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 right government so they support support the very um the very polit political uh, p- very policies that are very much um mm-hmm. Um, controversial mm-hmm. uh, in the West, uh, such as settlements po- uh, policy, yeah. um, 
for instance, which is uh, which has been condemned uh, by virtually all uh, the European countries. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I, I don't think I don't think uh, the new guard will be much in. Well, the EU won't be much in favor no. of, of the policies that they're gonna pass, and I think. Uh, well, we'll have we'll see a lot more controversy and a lot more uh, debates in, the, in in the media and a lot a lot more. Yeah. Um. I I, I do think a lot more events like uh like Bengir's visit to the Temple Mount and this is going to be a source of a lot of uh, controversy and problems. In yeah. The future. Exactly. I I think yeah they also try to overthrow the whole judiciary right now. Um, or not overthrow but uh take control over the judiciary systems of. Uh, the Israeli government, um, which already is a really bad sign for the democratic <laughs> <laughs> uh, values that it, it embodied one, before. One, but one thing there is to expect, though, which I think might be a very good, uh, very good development for the for the West and for the European Union, is that uh, the last time Benjamin Netanyahu was the prime minister, the Abraham Accords were signed, and Israel. Uh, established diplomatic relationship with the um, different uh, various uh, Arabic countries, including United Arab Emirates, yeah. and there there are certain expectations that uh, such an agreement might be uh, made with Saudi Arabia mm-hmm. uh, sooner than later. Uh, although, as I said, the actions like uh, visit to the Temple yeah. Mount, of course, Saudi Arabia is a very important actor in the Islamic world, and uh, this is. Yeah, this uh, things like that are not <laughs> good for for like relations between two countries like that. <laughs> yeah, uh, f- for sure. It it will be it will be interesting to 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 see how how the situation develops, and yeah. so we we have to have some caution um, following following in the whole thing because uh, yeah. yeah, it's obviously a burning burning point. In well, the maybe we can discuss the developments in a different episode next yeah. time. <laughs> Um, when it actually happened, or we have more? Yeah, yeah, we so. will have more episodes. Uh, hopefully, um, on by biweekly basis. We all want uh, to also draw your attention to our previous episodes, which are mostly interviews with uh, different, uh, very interesting personalities. Uh, yeah. We had, uh, I think, two already people from uh, Forbes 30 under 30 list, and we have members of the European Parliament yeah. uh, visiting our podcast. So. We'll be glad to have you. It's on Spotify, Google Podcasts, and all other uh, podcasting platforms under Bridge Europe Podcast. We're also available on Instagram yep. under Bridge Europe Official or uh, for those uh, listening uh, to us from Maastricht, Bridge, Bridge Europe yeah, underscore definitely. Maastricht. Yeah, I would say uh, definitely follow uh, Bridge Europe Maastricht as well. As the president, I'm here to advocate it as well. Uh, if you want to be part of uh, our organization, we are more than happy to... Um, Receive your message on Instagram. And even if you think this episode is really cool, if you become a member from maybe not even a member, you can also join us here uh, in this talk. And uh, big, big, big thanks to Student Radio Maastricht for having yeah, us. It's huge it thanks. It has been a pleasure. <laughs> Thank you very much. Student Radio Maastricht on 107.5 FM.